Kia ora, and welcome to Talking Performance. I'm your host, Jay Carter, and in this podcast, I aim to connect with people to chat about performance and what it means to them in an effort to share some gold with our community. I aim to have guests on from various parts of the performance world, such as athletes, coaches, and business leaders, ordinary people who do extraordinary things. These sessions are recorded live on Facebook on the group page Talking Performance at 8pm New Zealand time if you'd like to watch the show live. If you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could share it with your friends and even leave us a review. So tonight, uh, joined once again by an Irishman, two weeks in a row, but this time the Irishman is actually in Ireland, so nine o'clock on a Monday morning for Ed Corlin. Um, Ed, thanks for joining us tonight. Not at all, Jay, thank you. <laughs> um, I'll do a quick introduction, but I'll get you to introduce yourself. Um, you're a skill acquisition specialist based in based in Ireland, as I said, um, and you've done your PhD in skill acquisition. Uh, working now in academia as well as um, in the practical world of uh, of golf, um, and. Uh, yeah, I guess I've listened to a heap of your podcasts over the last couple of years. As I said to you, we, I reached out to you a couple of years ago just to say, oh, I love your work and um, yeah, pretty excited to have this opportunity. So if you could give us a quick intro about yourself and yeah. your yeah. journey. Am I, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Jay. Um, I, as I said to you before, and I, I, I love kind of just chatting with people. So I, I get I always get a huge amount from this. I, I've got my my paper and pen here at the ready um, just to um, for, for my own notes. Um, and so, yeah, where, where I'm at right now, I'm a sports science lecturer in Munster Technological University, um, right down on the, the south coast of the, the island of Ireland. And it's we're in Cork. And here I, I, I cover a lot of the sports science practical modules, the coaching stream uh, for students. But I also lead a, a research team in skill acquisition with, um, with postgrads, um, which is very, very exciting stuff. Um, because the guys that, that I have working in the team are always, always, always asking pretty cool questions around performance because everybody that we have in the in the research team are all coaches so everybody comes with a very practical hat on that they're asking questions that they believe will genuinely impact on the places that they work uh, as coaches so that's that that makes sure that we there's a really good honest loop in the space you know we there's a oftentimes questions will be put to each other with what well, yeah but is that going to have an impact or are we just doing this for the sake of a publication and it if that's the question, then we steer strongly away from just doing it for a publication and back towards, you know, if it's good enough, it's going to get published anyway. So let's just stay strong on where it's going to have an impact, let's say, on our work and the work of other coaches. Yeah. Outside of my academia, um, I work, as, uh, as you're saying, in skill acquisition, working with coaches and, and predominantly with players. Uh, but I do, I do some work with coaches as kind of mentoring and things like that and shadowing coaches, um, but with players. The last... Four to five years, um, I've been predominantly working with with golfers, which I've loved. Um, I grew up playing golf. Grew up in a very golf-oriented family, um, a very sport-oriented family. But uh, there was there was certainly a period of time when we were all playing golf in the local club, um, and and that's where I'm where I'm at now. I, I love the the engagement and the interaction with with the pros because they ask very uh, tough questions. Mm. Uh, they're 
but it's at stake. So I, 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 that's the environment I'm really, I really like. Um, I've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable in that environment of there's, there's a livelihood at stake here and, and we need to do better for these people because, well, <laughs> they've got to pay the bills by, by being able to improve on their performance, which can be tricky in the way that I work because things take time. Um, so um, I'm fortunate enough to, with the guys I work with now, have a real appreciation of the patience required to make long-term changes um, to their behaviours and, and to their skill set. Mm. And that's where I'm at. Nice. Two questions. Oh, there's a few questions there actually, but the two that I want to just cover off straight away are in terms of your golfing ability, um, are you yeah, where do you sit on the on the continuum? Uh, I stand on the continuum where I I could not I, I could not play for months and months and months and then go out and have um a few nines, a couple of eights maybe even throw in a 10, but remarkably, I'll always par probably half the holes. Nice. Um, that's where, that's if I haven't played in a long time. Then the more I play, the seemingly the worse I get. Um, <laughs> I think I need to take it a bit more seriously. And when I start taking it seriously, I get, I get worse. Um, no, I'm, I'm joking, but um, I'm quite fortunate in that regard, I think, because I play, you know, I, I'd say in the last... I don't know. Many many years. I, I've I've hardly play. I, I I don't get out much. But I but when I do get out, I really enjoy it because I'm able to get it around. Let's just put it that way. So that helps. That helps. Um. I think if I was if I enjoyed it as much as I did, but I wasn't able to get it around, I think I would. I I I'm not too sure I would enjoy it as much. But so I, but I, that's what why I enjoy it. I think I get excited when I have a you know a recovery shot from the from behind a tree because of a wayward drive that excites me and I love you know because I grew up with any number of rackets and clubs and sticks in the house in the garden with you know what I mean so that's I, I like I like um yeah I like figuring it out still um so I so I do play I have friends that I play with um yeah I I, I have a handicap of 12 uh, nowadays yeah. I don't think I play to it. <laughs> I probably play to it for half the holes and then the other half I play. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, it's much more about in, in enjoyment. Um, as a kid, I, I did, played a lot. I was actually off, I probably was off 12 when I was about 12 um, or you know, or 11 or 12 because I played a lot of pitch and put when I was younger before I started playing golf. Um, and I was, again, like that, you know, loved it. You know, just, you play five rounds in a row, like, you know. Yeah. It was that type of a day, you know, you just go and play pitch and put and you just keep going around and around and around. And mm. um, so there was a lot of those things that I liked about it. I always, even back then, I think I realized that you could play five rounds of pitch and put and you wouldn't have the same experience in five rounds in the same course, you know? So, yeah. um, and then I would have done a lot of caddying for my brother who would have been the real, the golfer in the family played off scratch for many, many years and played in a lot of the amateur tournaments in Ireland. And I love that. I loved caddying for him, and uh, he's he was an older. Uh, my, he's my older brother, so there was a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of just being around golf a lot as a kid. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think in in uh, a lot of sports they have the uh, the ex player that becomes or the ex ex professional athlete that then becomes the coach, and golf often with 
most golf coaches have done a some sort of PGA qualification. So you've broken that mold a little bit, obviously working with European tour players. Yeah, um, yeah. So you've done a lot more. Than, you've done a lot more than the PGA qualification. So I, I don't. I, I don't have that formal yeah, PGA um, qualification. No, I don't. Um, I've seen some of the. I've seen some of the work that is done that on the PGA education uh, work. Um, but no, I've I've come at it from a very different uh, angle. I think what's been interesting is some of the times when I've had some of the conversations I've had with players over the years is how they find it interesting to ask me questions about, well, what would you have done in rugby here, Ed, with a kicker? What would you have done with a basketball, you know, outside shooter? Well, what would you have done? I mean, so because, again, most of the guys, most of the golfers, uh, and this is in all sport, men and women, they, they, they love other sports. They're, they're sports fans themselves outside of their, their dominant sport, let's say, you know. So I think that's something that, has been cause for some lovely chats, you know, um, because I've come from team sports and individual sports, but also then within those, I've been working with you know, with specific aspects of people's performance. Um, so I think that is that's a nice thing. It, it's probably a lot like uh, the, you know the guy who's probably most well known in this space would be uh, Dave Allred. Um, again, coming from background of of teaching and a background of um, team sports and working with specific specialist positions in those sports, let's say, you know, um, but, but coming at it from maybe just a, a, just a different angle. It's not a better angle or a worse angle. It's just a different angle. That's all. Yeah. I love it. Um, in one of the podcasts I listened to, you said you'd be trying to go away from ingraining a skill. Um, and you said, let's coach adaptability rather than technical proficiency. And I guess in golf, you know, we're often talking about positions and where the club is and what, you know, your swing looks like compared to Tiger Woods or Lydia Ko. And so how does that, how does that fit in, in, I guess, your paradigm, not even just in golf, in any sport? Yeah, good question. Um, sometimes poorly because the because of what players are bringing to the, to the conversation if their if their experience of golf is is about uh, perfection, about control, about um, a, you know a real deep understanding of every aspect of their swing, then that can be tricky. Those conversations can can take a while. Um, other than that, like you know, when you're speaking about adaptability and, and trying to go away from ingraining the skill, I think I think that's because when I when I see Let's say even if I'm on the range with the player, and I say, okay, well, let's let's hit a seven iron to to that flag um, and a little fade on it. Okay, let's hit a, a seven iron out to that flag and a draw on it. Well, it's a, oh, straight away it's a different swing. They need there's an adaptability required just in that same same target, same club, same position, but there's an adaptability required. Um, so I'm, I, I try to encourage much more. Um, much more of an appreciation by the players of what their swing can do rather than the, the limits of their swing. I think on top of that, though, and, it, and it's something that's come up, it always comes up, I have no concerns with players going after something technical. None whatsoever. Um, I have no issues with, with the players going to their swing coaches and being like, look, uh, you know, I'm not feeling, there's something that I'm not quite feeling. I, I, I keep getting this type of a shot and 
Um, I've no issues with that. The the my issues is then how they work on that. That's mm-hmm. that's often the, the, the difference. I you know I, I've speak, people have said to me before you know well golf is a very technical sport and I was like as is polo as is water polo as is anything where there is movement and an object and it's all technical even where there's no object running that's technical it's a skill to run well sprinting is a is a skill. Um, so I, I, that's something that I'm, I've been very strong about over the years. Golf is no more technical than any other sport I've ever come across. Um, mm. But golf has been, is, is phenomenal at convincing itself that it's special yeah. in this. And, and I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, in fact, the more people think it's that, the more often they tend to get themselves caught and, and wrapped up and down rabbit holes. But as I said, it, it is important to state that I, I have no problems with people attending to technical aspects of their swing. It's how they do that is where I think the concerns lie for me. Yeah. Um, how, so, you know, when you walk up and down a range, you often see tour sticks or, you know, alignment sticks down on the ground and um, potentially even at, hitting off mats and when when is that sort of practice valuable or is that sort of practice valuable if and when yeah um I, I, so from let's say alignment sticks that's a good place to start um i see them as a constraint and i'm a big fan of of constraints led coaching um so here's a constraint you now have to work with this constraint and, and how then how do we transfer that constraint then away from when you don't have the sticks on the ground? Okay. That's an important part of the process. And like, I have concerns though, about the, the, the reliability, let's say of that type of practice though, because even when I've seen people up close and personal people, that I, I've worked with myself as opposed to just watching someone on a, on a range. And I haven't been to an event in a while because we can't. Um, but, the, but so I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to getting back to, just just going to an event and just soaking up that environment of where there's so much intensity because there's incredible intensity at events, you know, because urgency at events. And I suppose sometimes I also like to, I often like to observe and you're observing from the outside looking in because you don't, you don't go over and interfere, but you are just trying to observe and see are there behaviors that jump out at you. And sometimes I think the intensity at events is different to how they maybe practice elsewhere. And oftentimes the ones that I feel are probably, you know, oftentimes the ones who are very much in control of their of their own headspace and in a good place, they're I get the impression they're they're not that intense and urgent about their preparation because you know what? It's done. The work is already done elsewhere. And they're here now just to let it go and to, to release on their work, let's say. Um, but as far as let's say alignment sticks. You know, when when I see them being used, again, I don't have any problem with them being used because, again, I see it as a constraint. There's something that you want their, the, the player to have to adjust and adapt to because maybe there's something happening with their, their, their the path of their swing. The concern I have is when the alignment sticks don't change, but the position of the ball does. That That's, that, that's a funny one for me. You know, if the alignment sticks are set up in a way to match the first shot, and we're happy. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And if you get to if you get to this place here, you will then yeah, that's that's good. But if you go here, you're gonna hit the stick. And if you go here, you're gonna you know. And then fifty shots later, 
50 divots later, the sticks haven't moved, but your feet have moved to a new position. The balls have moved. And I'm like, I'm now struggling with the validity and the reliability of that as a, as a, as a task. Mm. If the alignment sticks were aligned for, you know, within reason, maybe the first few shots, how are they still right for a person who's 50 shots into that and the sticks haven't moved? Mm. And I've, I struggle to get my head around that. I've asked people about it. I've, I, I haven't been overly impressed with the rationale for the reasons that have come back. Um, because again, at the, you know, uh, for, for, for me, skill acquisition is just about common sense. Really, really, it's it's it does it does it add up? Does that add up? Um, and if things add up, then I generally have no problem with things. But it's only when if I start asking kind of questions that I would see as just this is a straightforward question. Why, why would you not move the alignment sticks every few shots? Or why would you? Oh, you don't need to. The ball is moving. The position is moving. The player is moving. But the sticks have stayed. How is that? And then I, I kind of lose. I, I I not not interest. It's not that I lose interest. I actually get go the other way. I get even deeper into. Am I missing something here? I must be missing something here. How is this still working as a constraint? If the organism is, you know, adapting and changing, the environment is also changing because the position. But we're not changing the anything about the actual constraint itself. Yeah. Do you see it in other sports, or is golf unique with that? Um, I think because of the stationary aspect of golf, it is somewhat unique. I'm sure there are probably there are probably other similar type stationary sports, let's say pistol shooting, um, archery, where there's a lot of stationary movements. And then as a constraint, they will put something in, let's say the draw the drawback in archery. I've seen that over years, the drawback in archery. They then the constraint is that they have to make sure that they keep it touched so they don't hit off something back here. But then the difference is in archery, you're able to just stand in that one position because you're not creating divots that you have to move to move to the ball. So maybe maybe it is somewhat unique um, for golf because even in a discrete position like that, we're hitting seven irons ad nauseum. The, the, as we see, you know, they they they're incredibly accurate with how they create those divots and they'll move it back a bit and back a bit and back a bit and then they move to the side a bit and side a bit and they'll create a, a little a, a divot dig out you know um i'm not too sure you know so so maybe that is something that is unique um i, I i'd be interested to see um again and as i said I, I and i do ask this question quite a bit this isn't because the when the answers that, d- that don't add up for me, my first port of call is that I'm after, I'm wrong, you know. So <laughs> I think that way. Then I'm like, I've got to ask, I got to ask more questions because I, especially, I would have probably a healthy serving of imposter syndrome in golf. Um, so that probably drives me to ask, keep asking these kind of questions because I'm thinking. Even with four years of biomechanics in my undergraduate and 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 all that, I still think maybe there's something I'm not getting. You know. Um, so what about yeah. the what about the act of hitting the seven iron, seven iron? You know, on repeat, the one club, the one target, on the range. Uh, you know, practice fairway range. What is that yeah. a useful? Is that is that useful at any point? Um. It depends on who we're asking for, I suppose. If 
if you are if you're in childcare and you you're trying to uh, and you've you know it's a bit of a chaotic day but the your the kid just wants to go and hit seven irons and that's what they like to do just to you know gets them nice and relaxed and gives you some quiet time then i probably have no problem with it if you're asking from a performance perspective and it's not from a childcare per <laughs> childcare manager then i would be i'd have concerns about that i do um I, I I have a lot of questions that I would ask around that type of practice um, because it goes back to my philosophy about being adaptable. Um, and, and I've done this with players, you know, when we're, when we're on the course and you, some courses that they'll play, they may have quite a few seven irons, let's say, you know, if it's a particularly long course, they'll have quite a few seven irons into their, into their second shot and stuff. So in preparation for that and so, and yes, Every single one is different because it's on a different lie into a different target with different hurt in different places. So even at that, there's there's a reluctance from them. Then when they begin to see the variability that they're presented with, which requires them to be more adaptable in the in the live setting, they're far less inclined to then want to grain it in and dial it in and groove it in because they're like. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, what well, like the the national coach here in in Ireland um, is Neil Manship. He's the head of the performance side of things, and I've been really fortunate to sit in on some sessions that he does with some of the guys that I work for, you know. And it's just all about adaptability and variability, and it comes from this lovely place of, well, I'm here with you. So let's try to just engage, engage with the tasks, engage with the, the realities of what the game is. It's not always going to be perfect. So just relax about that kind of thing. Don't be, you know, don't be looking up. Did that do exactly what I thought it would do? You know, and you're like, it, it was pretty, it was pretty good. You know, you got to start being a bit more accepting and a bit more understanding. And, and so that's been really lovely to see another somebody who's very much a part of the golf uh, fabric he's you know all everything he's does is 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 uh, let's say from a background perspective and a, and a qualifications and certifications that's he's he's got them all let's say you know mm-hmm. uh, what's very nice about that actually is neil is now doing work in with with players from other sports he's doing work with some kickers in gaelic football and things like that and free takers you know yeah which which is great because he's probably bringing some lovely things from the golf into that space. And then he's probably bringing some nice things back um, from for, in, into his golf, let's say, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's an interesting thing. Uh, I was speaking with Stuart Morgan, actually, who I speak to quite, a, quite a bit, in fact, um, and actually big props up to Stuart and his team. Um, and his, obviously his boss, Bern Wiesberger won yesterday. So <laughs> Stuart is of Bern's uh, team. And uh, so that's a, that's a big, uh, a big achievement uh, for those guys again. Um, but I, was, I, I chat with Stuart and himself, actually myself and Peter Arnott. We have a lovely little mini thing that we grow, group going around, or just the three of us. Um, but one of those things that we've we've spoken about over the years is how golf would benefit from more cross fertilization, and golf coaching would benefit from more cross fertilization. I think when we look at other sports. There seems to be, seems to be, and and so even some of the some of the evidence would suggest this 
there seems to be a lot of cross-fertilization of the sports. Um, basketball coaches speak to a lot of coaches from other sports. Rugby coaches speak to a lot of coaches in other sports. They spend time in other sports, even in our own national games of hurling, football, camogie, ladies football. There is interest in, you know, in, in these sports now to get someone in from basketball to, 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 to start teaching me something about you know, positioning and the use of your body and yeah. one-on-one, like, let's say, you know. Stuart and Peter and myself, we've, we've chatted about this in the past few times and we're not, we don't see much of that happening in the golf space, you know, which, which can create an echo chamber, which can create this kind of vacuum of, of discussion. If everyone that you're talking to is in the same environment in this, with the same, you know, retrospective history about what they've gone through and, you know, not of course exact same, but similar all through one sport, you know, I, that's that's a challenge. Uh, and I, I've spoken with this to someone who's heavily involved with swimming, and she was saying the same. She was saying, in her sport of swimming, she's a swimming coach. She was like, we we need to be better at getting out of swimming. We think she was saying she said we, we think as swim coaches, well, we we can only really learn from swim coaches because swimming is so specific, and everyone thinks that their sport is special, and we can't. <laughs> And we, we need to remember that, well, they all have one thing in common, which is they're, they're all working with people. And there's probably lots of overlap in things um, that we can learn from each other. So I think I, I'd be really interested to see more cross-fertilization happening in golf for players, but also especially for coaches as the years go. I've spent a fair bit of time over here in rugby, been fortunate enough to get into a few rugby environments because I think, and certainly in New Zealand, uh, rugby pretty open and they share a lot of their stuff. But I often get that feedback, what's the point in spending time with rugby coaches? It's got nothing to do with golf, um, yeah. which is interesting one. And and I think Dara Sheridan that had on last week, he does a great job of, or you know, the, him and his team do a great job of connecting. I guess one of the advantages competitive advantages of New Zealand being so small is yeah. that we do connect quite well with each other and you do, you know, you do sort of cross pollinate a bit. And I think it's a massive asset because it goes deeper than just this, I guess the skill or the tactics of the sport and it goes into the human performance stuff. Yeah. Huge. And, and you bring up Dara and, and that's, that's a pang. That's a pang in my side there because Dara's a big loss and um, big loss for us. Um, big gain for you, I know, as you said earlier, but it was a big, big loss for us because I think um, Darrow was one of the few people, to be honest, that actually got that global sense of connectivity. Um, and we are a tiny country. We're, you know, you can drive from tip to tip in a matter of, you know, I don't know, five, six hours. You know, you can go across it in probably less than two and a half, three, you know, we're small, like, you yeah. know, and yet we, we have silos. We, we struggle with silos in our country. Um, and, and I think Dara was, Dara was key to maybe breaking that up. Um, and, and also from his, and I also from a skill acquisition perspective, I think he was a loss for our, the development of our, of, of our domain. Um, because I think he had a, Again, he was one of the few who had an appreciation of the importance of skill acquisition across all sports um, and the importance of actually engaging in interaction with skill acquisition 
across all levels of all sports. Um, again, what's the one thing that Dara has that um, most coaches should have is curiosity. So I think that curiosity then leads you to think, oh, what's over there? Let me have a look over here, which then takes you into that space of what are they doing in there that they're so successful about? Because I know it's a completely different sport, but they're doing something that has created a, a culture of success. And I don't mean just success, medals and trophies, success of the, the environment seems to be just on fire with charged yeah. energy, with interest, huge support from all levels, ages and stages. They don't struggle to get volunteer coaches. They don't struggle to retain these coaches through adolescence and into adulthood. In the same way, they don't struggle with numbers with kids. They don't struggle to retain these kids through adolescence and they don't struggle, you know what I mean? There are these type of sports around the place that, that curious coaches and curious heads of performance would be like, well, I want to have a look. Can I? Can I? And that's why... I'm always, you know, outside of COVID-19 times, I'm, I'm a devil for asking, can I, can I pop in and have a look? Can, do you mind if I join? Can I have a look and just observe? And, you know, and equally, can, you know, can I have a look? Of course, come along. I, I do have a caveat. If you want to come and watch a session, then, then, then you, you've got to sit with me afterwards and tell me where I got. Oh, no. You know, you you pay you pay a tax if you come in to watch a session of mine, which is I want the warts and all afterwards to be able to say, mm, you know, Ed, you 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 okay, thanks. I appreciate you know what I mean. Yeah. Um which is something I've gotten from you know Rick Shuttleworth, the cut bleeding bandage. Uh I love that sense of just oh you you're gonna have to cut me. If you respect me, you're going to have to cut me because if you want me to get better, because I want to get better, well, let's, you know, get over the fact that you're going to have to say something that I may not like and then stay with me when, when I'm bleeding out around. I'm like, oh, God, oh, oh that hurt. Yeah. Well, then stay with me. We can talk it through as I, okay, yeah, I know. No, you are right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, do I still do that? Oh my word! I thought I'd been. I don't know. You've improved it, Ed, but you still <laughs> quite a bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a big thing, a big part of that for me, even is outside of even coaching, is my presentation. You know, my the PowerPoint, the webinars, things. I've, I've had, I've been very fortunate. I, I've had, um. I've had plants in most of my webinars and online things over the last few years where I've been like, I want you to log into this um, because I, I need you to, I need you to have a pop afterwards. I need to sit with you afterwards because when I do it, no, I don't really ever get that. You know, it's all very polite, you know? So mm. I've had plants most, if not most, not all of them because it hasn't been possible for, you know, but I've had plants in most of my webinars over the last few years. Um, yeah during COVID because I have some terrible ticks, terrible ticks in, in my presentations. And yeah, they need they need to be cut out and <laughs> and and worked on. Um, if, if 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 what if what I'm doing is to try and connect with people and have an impact with people, well then I need I, I need help with that. And um, 
So I think that's something. Cross fertilization is a, is a, is something that I think all sports will benefit from, but especially golf. From my you know last five years of engaging with it anyway. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of things there around that feedback. Um, there have been, as I said to you, we do go live. There's been a couple of comments um, that we've had so far, but they've popped up. I'm not sure what they were referenced to uh, at the moment, but uh, Andre Adams has just said so many people ask for feedback, but don't really want it. Um, Very good. Yeah. And that's, I guess, an interesting thing. You have to have that deep. We had a awesome coach on the podcast, Crystal Koa, and she coaches rugby in Japan. And she was saying that, you know, to have the most impact, they have to know that you're, you love them and you believe them and then then you can tell them anything sort of thing. So you've got to build that relationship first right before, which is you're asking for the feedback, I guess. Um, from and that goes both ways. That goes, that goes with, with athletes too. Like you, like two, two athletes, I mean, jump out at me when I think of who are those athletes that pushed me, like pushed me, asked me for the feedback. And then when I, you know, hedged my bets in little at the start because I didn't, and then realized actually, she wants it right between the eyes. Like she wants me to, because she's, well, Louise Galvin, this, you know, you may not know, but she's a former basketball player at an international level, went on to play sevens rugby for Ireland. And another, another woman, Lindsay Pete, who's again an international rugby player, but I would have worked with her in basketball many, many years ago. They're the two that jump out at me. It's amazing because I've been asked that in the past. Who are those athletes that just, Ed, I need to get better, so I need you to be better. And that was the, <laughs> that's, that's where it came at me. And that sense of, I need to bring my A game to every single session. It's not going to be perfect, but I'm going to try so hard to make sure they get my A game, you know? Um, and it was because of that lovely little comment there about, they ask for feedback, but do they really want it? Well, these two, and there's been others, but they're the ones that just <laughs> jump out. They ask for feedback. And they actually will then just dive straight in. Yeah. Right. And then why? And how? Okay. All right. But is that not a good thing? Okay. Okay. Why not? And it's just. But what happens when you're doing this? The the sparks means that we're both going up. You know, it's elevating the whole thing. Um. And yeah. So and 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 Andre's right. There is that. There is that almost a false bottom to it sometimes, you know. Mm. Uh, a conversation I had with a coach there last week, um, we were talking about the kind of the humble brag that seems to be going on around at the moment, you know. Yeah. S- saying what you think you should say, but the backup evidence is just not, not, not there, you know. Because yeah. we all don't know what we should be saying. But then when you go to do watch them in a session, you're like, who's that guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> the cross is this, you know. Um, so I do yeah I, I would agree with that one I would agree with that absolutely I would um, and I how do we break it down I think you've you hit the nail on the head we, we need them to feel that I, I'm figuring this out too you know at the same time and I think that's something that when I first started coaching I um, I was coaching first without any qualification I was just asked to, would I take a you know, session type of thing. Come back to my old school and take a, take a, 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 this team. Um, not a field sport. And and I was like, yeah, love to. But what did I do? I coached these people who were only a couple of years younger than me in the way that I was coached. 
and all of a sudden there begins the cycle, you know, no questioning about what actually worked for me or didn't work for me. It was just straight. This is how I learned. This is how I was coached. So this is how I'm going to coach. Um, and, and a real sense of, again, massive imposter syndrome back then, because I was like, you want me to take, right? Okay. So then I had a real sense of, I have to have all the answers. I have to, she's just, that's just disaster. That's an absolute disaster. And I would have been that way for a long time, like, yeah, a long time. The first time I actually said, when I asked you, you know, what is, and I was like, I don't know. Um, we figure, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, what do you think it might mean? And I don't know. It was like <laughs> sweating profusely, <laughs> heart rate. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, please don't leave. Please don't go away. <laughs> yeah. But of course, it's just about, as you said, that that coach you were mentioning in coaching rugby in Japan, it's, mm. it's a connection. It's about just saying, look, we're just trying to figure this out together. Um, and we're and we're both going to mess it up along the way, you know. Yeah, um, Fintan Kennedy, who what he'll be watching at nine thirty seven in the morning in Sligo, he he has said the cut, bleed, and bandage analogy is fantastic to describe psychological safety. How do you develop that trust trust initially? Yeah, um, and I guess if I can add a bit to that in a short space of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I think, well, how it was developed for me, you know, with, with people that I, with mentors that I would think do it really well with me, um, was that they were just open with their own experiences. They came with a real sense of, you know, I've, there's so many things I've gotten wrong and that's why I kind of do some of this mentoring. So that's why I'm happy to mentor you because it's not, I'm not here to tell you how to do it right. But I've even just, you know, I just, I want you just to have a place where you can talk about it and, and we'll just share some things. And that's, and even that's something that even around mentoring, I had a brilliant chat with, 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 with a guy a couple of months back about mentoring. And he said, so much of mentoring, he said, is skewed. He said, because we, we, we get people to mentor others and we tell them what it should be like, you know, we want tell them of this and tell them, and you're like, and of course, most mentors, if they're, if they're at that place where they've been asked, well, come in and share your experiences and guide someone along. It's because they've had probably loads of failures and loads of things. But then when they get into that position, oftentimes this guy was saying, he said, oftentimes they find themselves then back in the position. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to fast track you here. So I'm going to speed it up for you. I'm going to tell you what to not do, tell you what to do. And he was like, you've just blown it. Yeah. He said, if mentoring could just be, much more casual, much more informal, and just a place where someone can just offload, you know? Mm. Like, I'm just good. I've had a really bad session. I've had a really bad week. I've had a, I'm going to talk to someone that I know has probably had this before. So we'll actually have that affinity with me, have that sense of, yeah, that's tough. You're in the eye of the storm right now, Ed. So, you know, I can't tell you how long it's going, you're going to be in here because I don't know. But I will tell you, it will pass. And you know what? It will pass quicker, Ed, if you are prepared to ask some hard questions of yourself. So let's go through that. What happened in the session? Well, where were you? Why did you, how how did you find yourself? Ed, don't you have, you know, (laughs) Ed, don't you have the three shut up rule for yourself to make sure that you're only engaged to questions? Yeah. 
Yeah, so how come you were telling them all what to do? <laughs> that's so that's how you build it if you if they and again going back to Andre's point you know people ask for feedback but they do they really want it that's the big thing to really to to almost lay yourself out and say look um I actually do want this and I and I know it's going to hurt a bit and I know it's going to sting a bit but I I actually do now if you can please don't <laughs> Don't come in with a big Excalibur sword. Just come in with a little, you know, pocket knife first, if you don't mind. And we'll get to the Excalibur sword in, you know, in time. But it's just to at least create that place of, okay, yeah, just... And that, and that's where that trust comes in, you know. That's where that, that good um, partner, buddy, coach buddy is, where that they, they, they know, I, can't, I cannot behead this person straight away like it's all <laughs> over there. it's all over okay yeah. so you gotta be and that's psychological safety that term has been used a lot and it is about that yeah i if i want if i want to have a second conversation with this person if i'm truly interested in helping this person develop because and again as i said to you there's all this dual thing going on because it's helping me develop too like it's, mm. it's huge like being I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm a mentor to a couple of a couple of coaches. I get so much out of doing that, yeah. you know, so much out of doing that. So, um, so like we finished conversation. Oh, listen, thanks for that today. And I said, no, no, thank you. And I don't oh, know. I mean it. No, 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 no. I mean it. And I'm look at all the things. I mean it. Thanks. You, you brought up things that I need to, that remind me of things that I need to be better. You know. Yeah. I do think, I think it's, it's a big leap. Of, it, there is a big leap of faith. There is a big trust because um, I've been asked to come in to do, to, to come in and observe sessions. And, um, and I know that's not how they normally run the session. Like, I know. And we know because afterwards I'm like, well, that was really good. Well, don't, you know, good. You know, and they're like, so can we, can we ask a few players in? Why, 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 why would you do that, Ed? As I began, I'd like to know how today's was compared to. Okay, <laughs> you bring a few players in, like so. Tonight's session, they're like, "Yeah, it was really good. Like it's never like this, you know." And you're like, <laughs> so that's that's when you do you, you do that in a good way and within you know good humor and stuff. But yeah, it's it because it's hard. It's hard for a coach to say. I'm just going to coach the way I normally coach. And I know you're in the background and we're going to, mm. you're on for the evening or, you know, yeah. hope what you said to me beforehand that you're actually not going to take the piss and you're not going to just bury me. And really I'm taking a leap of faith here with you. I, I really hope that that's it. You know, mm. then you just kind of back up your words and be like afterwards and be like, that was good. Some, a lot of good stuff in there. And just let's, let's have a look at one thing and it's all, this is all not again, common sense stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, do many coaches, I've got two questions. Well, no, I've got about 500, but um, I'm going to skip the one I was about to say and go uh, in terms of your own reflections, do you, uh, do you reflect after your active coaching sessions? How do you reflect? Do you expect that the players that you coach, um, have 
some sort of reflections built into their practice or their training? Yeah. Um, yeah. Every, every single session, every single session, I'll take a beat. Um, every, every, every single one. Um, it's now just a part of the session for me. It used to be, I was diabolical, in fact, at going back and reflecting and getting to the next session and just all about the planning and everything. And I'm like, I haven't really actually reflected on what worked the last time at all. I'm just all about the planning of this one. And yeah. where that came from for me when I, again, when I was challenged on that was that I, I was basically working on the assumption that the session was perfect because it's my session. Yeah. So why would I reflect on it? You know, why would I reflect on it? I organized it, I planned it, and it went exactly to time. We covered exactly what I wanted to cover in the order that I wanted to cover it. So why would I reflect on it? It was, it was perfect. That's a, you can imagine how frighteningly uh, <laughs> narrow a space that is to be in. So nowadays, yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, I, I, well, a player I currently work with gave me a compliment. He's not aware that he gave me a compliment, in fact. <laughs> but he gave me a compliment only a couple of weeks ago. He was like, you, you remember almost everything that I say, like verbatim. He didn't say it in that kind of way, but he was like, that's exactly what I said. I remember that. How do you remember all that? And I was like, I said, well, just, you know, just chatting. But how do I remember it? it? Because I go away and I'm like, okay, what? we're working on that shot there and we're working on that kind of behavior and we're working on, okay, what did he say though? Yeah, he actually said, well, I wrote that down. That's a biggie. Like, yeah. where coming from? And then I went, and he said it again there, not the same way, but in a different way. But he was saying the same thing. Oh, what do you say? You know? So it's, it's in really easy to remember something that someone says, if you've reflected on it, you've wrote it down, you've then reflected on what you've written down and you've, you then start going back over your notes. You're thinking, holy cow, this guy has said this in one way, shape or form in every session for the last four or five sessions. And then, then I have that moment of, and it's only now you're, you know, putting it together. Okay. So, well, we've got to, we've got to tackle this, you know, he's, unintentionally flagging something here. Like he's probably not even conscious that he's saying this in this way and whatever. We've got to, we've got to address this because he's, he's basically screaming without screaming. He's basically saying, I do this, but he's not saying that because he's doing it in many other different ways, you know? And I think that's what reflection and reflective practice has afforded me over the years to, to actually hit on things that otherwise I could have missed. Hmm. Would, would have missed. Um, actually, in that chat I had with that coach last week, I said, I was telling him, I was like, when I've gone back long-term, like deep re re retrospective reflection with, with, with the mentor and stuff and about why I got into coaching and all that type of thing, you know, the, the kind of philosophical stuff, <laughs> I, had more, I was like, oh my God, I need to write letters to people. I need to... I need to phone people. I'm like, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, that's okay to it. Like, it's very embarrassing at the time. But I don't, that's the other side of this. I think I've gotten better at being, I've gotten better at being embarrassed. Yeah. I've gotten better at being wrong. I've gotten, you know, I don't like it. I still don't like it. Of course I don't. You know. um, but yeah, so I think that's that's where reflective practice has been 
huge for me. Um, we have a, a gentleman in New Zealand who works for uh, New Zealand Rugby in the Sevens program, Tony Philp, and he has a framework which I've been using recently and really enjoy it. He has uh, three things three things I did well and why, you know, what enabled me to do them well, which I think that last bit, certainly in golf, it's easy to say I putted well, but why did, you know, what enabled that, any ideas? And then, so three things I did well and why. Two things I'm curious about. And I love that because there's not, you don't have to find an answer. It's not like two things I need to get better at. It's just two things I'm curious about. And it can take you on some really, when you're reflecting on a session as a coach, if you think, you know, if that's one of the questions, what was I curious about today? It's quite a strong place to be, I think, because it can take you down some, and you don't have to have an answer. It, it, it is what it is. And then the last mm. one is one thing, one thing I want to nail. Um, mm. So I think, uh, you know, like I love having that little framework to go. The curiosity bit is the one that, um, that I really enjoy, certainly enjoyed at the mm. moment. And even um, I try and encourage players to do it from a practice session and go, what are you curious you know, what's something that you could be curious about in the session? Just, and, and let's just see, let's just play. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I really like that. I really like that. The, because again, all that's doing is that it's drawing you towards things in a way that I think leads to adaptability. Mm. Why, why is that different? Why is that shot different? Why, why should my stance at the bunker be when it's a, on the, downward sloping face as opposed to upwards look at what i do and i don't even think about like you know what i mean and they, and that's things that i see with players you know when we're able to get beyond the course together outside of covid when when we when we give them you know tasks the players that are truly curious they do things that are just wonderfully coordinated like, <laughs> because their their attention is locked into how do I do this? And they start doing things, you know, you know, they really begin to feel out the movement. They feel out their connection with the shot. They feel out their connection with the target, you know, um, because of curiosity. And mm. I think curiosity, if curiosity is hurt with repet by repetition, I think, yeah. because the question doesn't get asked in a, in an authentic way, if you're just posing it the same way over again. So for example, like if, if my kid came home from school and was like, and I've, seen, I've said this many times before, you know, if my kid came home from school and was like, dad, three threes are nine. I was like, yes, they are. Yeah, we did that today. How do you mean? And you're like, we did three by three is nine. We did it a hundred times, three by three is nine. I was like, yeah, but what? Okay. What's three, three by four. Don't know. We're doing that tomorrow. You know, yeah. there's no way like, that that the 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 excitement how how a person managed to have him so excited to come home that way is an, is an amazing feat in coaching to be perfectly honest you know <laughs> he didn't get bored with three by three is nine three by three is nine even you know and even even how we teach maths in this part of the world compared to other parts of the world is incredibly poor <laughs> like, which I wasn't aware of until years ago and all of a sudden I started seeing you know that you know the way you you guys are taught maths and teach maths in it's, it's actually not really designed for problem solving and decision making. It's about get the right answer for this one and get the right answer for that one, you know. Um, and I know it's changing a little bit, but not mm. not quickly. It's not changed. Uh, so it's, that's a, that's so that that curiosity, I think, is 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 massive. I think the other side of 
it just came to me now and I don't, don't even know if it's connected. Um, but I think the, the, there's an element with coaches around there's an element with coaches of so, so, maybe it's not with everybody but I know there's people that fundamentally that I just rub up the wrong way. That they don't, we, we don't, you know, I know that. You can't be on social media and you can't do a presentation when you've a, your, your email is at the end of a presentation without people then thinking, yeah, I'm going to have a pop off this guy. And, 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 I, and I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. The more you put yourself out there, the more skin you have in the game, the more likely it is you're going you're, you're gonna to have somebody who's going to want to, you know, have a, have a go. Mm. Something that I, I struggled with a lot. For, for a while, thinking, oh, wanting to be all things to all people type of thing, you know? And and I don't know, is that an unnatural thing? I don't think so. I think it's, you know, that kind of, oh, that person, you know, and they were like, actually, jeepers. Like, and then for what's happened in the past, when I actually then would, you know, follow up with someone like, hey, I don't know who you are. I've never met you, but you, like, I'm sorry. Like, we, like, I obviously... What it tends to happen then is actually when you chat it out, well, you don't find you're too far away from each other at all, let's say. Yeah. Oh, other times you do. You realize we are in polar opposite places from each other and let's... we're just going to make peace with the fact that, you know, you don't yeah. like me. <laughs> but that's a big thing for coaching, you know, that wanting to feel liked or whatever, you know. I think I'm not too sure if, it, if it's if it's healthy or, or, or needed or necessary for coaching. Yeah. Um, that, that three by three reminds me of a quote, which I love. I'm sure you've heard it and I have to read it because it messes with my head when I just say it, but learning move, learning movement skills is not a process of repeating the solution. It is repeating the process of finding a solution. And to me, that sums up golf, I reckon, because so many people are just repeating the solution which is the three times three over and over again. But golf is, I mean, have you ever seen two track men sets of numbers the same or two, two tasks required, two shots the same, or, you know, even the three so, I love that. I have a funny, I have a funny, I love that quote. That's from Rick, Rick Shuttleworth. That's his quote. In fact, the reason I know is because I use it in, <laughs> I used it in presentation because it really is the essence of adaptability and figuring things out, you know, don't try and figure one thing out, be able to figure whatever it is in front of you out, knowing that, you know what, the same, you know, essential stimulus will be different the next time again, you know, you may be a penalty and it's the same position from the same distance from the goal, but you know what, it's different because the penalty, the goalkeeper and, you know, so I like, I, I do, I do like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think about, about that, you know, the, 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 the movement, let's say, that's something that in golf I've found that there are some very strict, stringent rules around movement um, that I, I, don't, I don't, I suppose I'm, I struggle to get to that place of strict and stringent um, for something, you know, as, what is it, 750 to 800 muscles pulling on 206 bones on that's just the physical aspect, let alone the physiological aspect that's also happening at that time when we do this hugely, you know, rotational across several planes. Like, it's incredibly 
Um, it's wonderfully, in fact, balletic and everything. But to try and control it to the point that I think we we do try to control it, I think is 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 more uh, more harmful than that, than not. Yeah, and even the I think from a skill point of view, you could say to a lot of those players that are on the range at a European tour event, you could I'm sure you could say to them, do an impersonation of Matthew Wolf and they'll still flush it or do an impersonation of Rory and they'll flush it. And, and you say, oh, so what do you need to just do your best impersonation of you? So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a perfect story like this. Uh, a few years ago at an event, and uh, a guy I was working with, uh, he was having trouble with his driver and the manufacturer that he was with came out. And, and again, it's, this is just one of those instances. That I'm not to say, you know, it's not to say that they would have done this any other day, but this is just what happened, let's say. And basically going through and he was like, I'm just, there's something I'm, you know, I, I, I can't ignore the feelings I'm having when I hit it. And I look up and it's like, what? I'm doing, you know, and they're like, bring out a track, man. No, the numbers are saying, and he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what the numbers are saying, but can you not see it? Let's stop looking at the monitor. This is happening, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah. So we look, give me, give me a second there. And we were standing there. And I was like, I was like, you know, well, you've got to be comfortable. Like, this is not a time to be changing. You, you know, you're to, like, we're at the event now. And the guy came out with a second track man. Not more options of clubs, a second track man. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, this is no, no, the data. It is right, you know. And it was only then we were like, look, I, we need to look at different shafts or a different head or, you know, yeah. but that to me, that, 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 that's, a, that's a tough, I find that a tough place to be in. Yeah. You know, the first, the first device was telling me and I'm happy with it. So you, you're not, no, you're disagreeing with me. So I'm going to bring out another device just to be, as opposed to listening to the player, you know? There's a, there's a million and one reasons why it might not be feeling okay for him that day, you know? But no, a second trackman was brought out and I was like, if anyone saw us now, if someone take a photo right now, one player, it's like the guy from the manufacturer and two trackmans behind him, they're like, it, 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 like if, 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 it was, if it was Tiger Woods, let's say, the whole world would have had two trackmans at the next yeah. tournament. In a way? It was just one of those crazy, this is nuts. Yeah. You know, we're not, not re-engaging with the player here at all. We're just engaging with the numbers. Mm. Um, Simon Thomas has asked a question. Um, well, it's sort of a statement, but it's most people, most, sorry, most sports train or practice on area and surface that they compete on. Golfers generally don't. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant observation. Um, Brilliant observation. Now, it is an interesting one. I think um, my experience from at the at, at let's say the professional level, I don't know. I don't know many um, pros who are playing off mats, you know, or artificial surfaces and the like. Um, so, even if they are confined to a range for whatever reason, you know, you know, um, they're 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 hitting off grass and they're hitting with tour balls you know what I mean the, I, I do think that is something that does happen the further up the, 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 the line you go along the continuum of, of your skill and ability let's say um, 
but then the environment then of course if it is in the range is 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 somewhat now again that's the other thing there are that's the other side of this there are ranges that are improving too you know some ranges that i see photos being sent to me of places and you're like what that is just like a wonderland of golf you know that not that that the 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 area of grass where they are hitting off there is yes there's a flat area but then there's a slopey area and it's you know what i mean yeah. and there they have actual holes out there with actual targets and actually, you know, and even along by where they hit, there's off sand back there as well. You know what I mean? It's, but they're rare. They're so rare because the vast majority are on an incredibly fat, flat surface that is just nondescript and the targets are themselves not too descript, let's say. Um, but but yeah, I do I, I do agree. There's probably at, at slightly l- lower levels. I think there's probably there's a lot more uh, of where of where that comment is coming from. Simon saying, I think hundred percent, I would see that. Um, I, the, in, but again, and this is you know this is something that I think with maybe social media, and I'm uh, the you're, you're hearing of players, even Phil Mickelson last week, you know. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play 36 and 54 holes and, you know, this type of thing in a day because I want to work on my capacity to increase my attention span, increase my concentration. How long can I stay focused on it? I'm assuming he's probably doing that in a buggy, but he's still, he's still over that many shots on a golf course. That's, that's the things I hear. And I think we need to celebrate this, you know, Mm. He's not doing that. I'm not, you know, I'm on the range for eight hours to see how long I can stay focused. No, he mentioned holes. I'm playing 18, 36, 54 holes in a day. So that's him putting himself in a situation of having to, again, hours into his day with a full target of a real lie in the context of a course, hit another shot and be focused and be able to lock that in. That's it, mm. you know? I find that that that's... That is promising. I think that's really good because I think when somebody like him does it, I could say this, but I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, you know, Phil says it. And if it's picked up right, that could be a, that could be a game changer for some players. You know, mm. he was out playing 54 holes. That's, you know, what is that? 200 and 200 odd shots. Yeah. But he was on the course doing it. Mm. I just, Today I hit 800 balls from the same position, you know, and I think uh, the more we can get people to appreciate, even even when they're working on something technical, and I think that's the big part of this. Oftentimes, golf I think can trip itself up because so much is determined by that. Where's it gone? Yeah. Oh, it's not doing exactly what I wanted. No, no, I've got it. And then the more I go after the exactly what I wanted, and then when I get one, what to do there that time? Yeah. That's that that's that can hurt more people than not. Um, is it gonna work for the odd person out there? Yeah. The concern then, of course, is the way we are with media nowadays, is that the big the winds are blown way out of proportion and the things that people do we get footage somebody wins some weeks doing something we get what's in their bag mm. within 24 
hours. We get a video of their warm up. We get a video of their, you know, what do they do? We get a video of what do they have in their breakfast cereal because you should do this because if you have the same as him, you're going to win next week. Gotten to that place. And that's everywhere. You go into bookshops, the five, five things you should do. Re- really? There's only five? You know, the, 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 the 32 second ab workout because the previous book was the 40 second ab, work, ab workout book. I need something better than that now. So I'm going to go with the 36 ab workout book, 36 second ab workout book, because next year I'm going to go with my 32 second ab workout. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm not about reducing it down. And you know, I'm actually about, no, no, let's get into the weeds. I've read a, the most spectacular book recently, Art Thinking by um, Amy Whitaker. I, I say I've read it. I've read it three times over lockdown. I, I've had a few books that I've done that before with, but this is off the charts good. And it's not to do with sport. <laughs> it's not to do with, and here's this, this book by this woman who just creates an environment. It's a book with no answers in one sense. You know, it's a book that just feeds you with curiosity, feeds you with questions. You know, he's not saying here's this book and you have this book. No, no, this is the book that's going to send you on your journey and even give you tools to help you on your journey. I don't have any answers because of course I don't. And it's, that's a that's a brave thing to, to put out there in a book, you know? Yeah. No answers um, in this book. Uh, have you read the book Think Again by Adam Grant? Yes. Uh, no, only skimmed because of the time that I, that I got it. So I don't have a good understanding of it. I don't have a good knowledge of it. But I did. I have it, but I haven't finished it. That's I, um, I enjoyed that one. Similar sort of sounding thing. Fintan Kennedy said you can play 90 holes on a pitch and putt, but Phil needs to enjoy it like you did and want to improve. And that's like when you said at the start, when you just played at the pitch and putt, but there's that fascination and there's that curiosity and there's that joy and excitement, which if you think about Phil being 50, it's impressive. Like, you know, he's been around for a long time and he's been there and done that. And, but to still have that love and joy. Yeah. And I, another aspect, and like another thing that I hope gets picked up, you know, because so many things get picked up, and you're thinking, oh, that's certainly not one that we should be picking up and running with. But one thing that I think I hope does is his approach to meditation and mindfulness, and 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 it speaks to Michael Gervais is the guy who works. He's the the performance coach with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, he's just worked with Tim Carroll for years with the Seahawks, and. He has a brilliant way of working of this kind of concept of mind and body in the same place. If you've got your mind and body in the same place at the same time, then you are just giving yourself an unbelievable opportunity to do something pretty cool. Mm. Any standard deviation away from that, you are increasing the likelihood of it not working. And the further and further away from it, then it's just potluck whether something comes off or not. So if I'm over a golf shot, and if I have, you know, nothing else on my mind but this golf shot, I have just increased the likelihood of hitting a favorable golf shot. Mm. Whereas if I go for this golf shot, but I'm thinking of anything other than this, can you know, this action, 
I think that's a strong place. And I think that's what was so impressive with even just how Phil Mickelson articulated all of this. It was really clear, but it was really simple too. He didn't make it seem like he was after finding the golden fleece, you know? And this is, no, he was like, it's, it's really straightforward. It's just very simple and straightforward, which is a lovely thing to do, which it also shows, well, it sounds, sounds a bit ridiculous, but it, like, I don't know, almost like a maturity, you know? I'm not going to make this sound like it's anything amazing, but it's, it's actually quite simple what I'm doing. Mm. And it's actually, and again, load of common sense. I want to work. Let's say, for example, there are other people who will work on trying to improve their concentration and attention span, and they'll find themselves doing tasks that will do that. But because of the law of specificity, they'll just get really good at those tasks. Mm. Here's a guy who's thinking, well, I want to get good at my attention span and my concentration, my capacity to stay engaged in golf. So what have I got to do? Play more golf it's the most common sense approach as opposed to well there's an app i can get that if you stare at the phone it improves your capacity to you know what you're going to get really good at staring at your phone and staring at that circle and following the circle around the screen really and your score will improve will that improve your golf maybe yeah prove it as well as playing more golf for a longer time to improve your capacity to be better later in the day. Yeah. Uh, Alison McLean made a comment just earlier on. It, it, can all, it can only be done differently if we choose to do it differently. Um, yeah. Just pretty good. Need some intentionality around that. <laughs> That's a brilliant quote. Yeah. That's brilliant because it is, it's the capacity, the willingness to try it, mm. the willingness to, 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 to give it a go. That's, that's a good call. That one out again to me. It can only be done differently if we choose to do it differently. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, man, I, I had so many more things, Ed, on my list. Uh, but I appreciate it. As I said, I'll try and keep you for an hour. And I just had a glance down before and it said 9.06 p.m. for me. So Whoa. an hour 10, which is flowing by. But um, <laughs> And as I said, i got so many more things. Um I guess the one, the one thing I reckon. Oh no, let's. I'll leave it with you. Actually, just to finish off, let's say you had a twenty-year-old player who was in the Irish national team, golf team, and he said, "Ed, you're going to take me to the, um, you're going to take me to the next level, and I'm just going to be in your hands. I'm going to, I'll fully commit." What does that look like? What does that process look like? It's a big question, especially for this time of the podcast. I think the first thing it will look like is chats, conversations, just really trying to figure out who this person is, where they've come from, and so on. Why do they want to go where they want to go? Um, and we can have that on the golf course. You know, we can go and play nine holes, 18 holes, so that I'm even then seeing, getting to know this person while also seeing them in their natural habitat, let's say. Um, I think in the past I have, um, unfortunately in the past, I've jumped to conclusions with people. I have stereotyped people. I have 
worked off the opinions of others before working with them that have then negatively impacted on my interpretation of the person, um, which has led, certainly contributed to leading us to them not working together. And that's, that's, that's on me because I'm not too sure if I actually gave them um, that clean slate. Let's, let's connect. Let's figure this out. Let's see. I think though it might take a little time at the start, you know, you might find yourself three sessions, three meetings, three chats in, and you're like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> I think the rate of engagement beyond that will be far greater then rushing in and tr- throwing the kitchen sink initially and, 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 you know, maybe hitting on something. So I think where I'm at right now in my own, my own, you know, funny journey is, is just, just to hang out. And that might be on the golf course, but it also might be that this person loves, I don't know, kayaking, you know, you know, Oh, you're, yeah. I've actually never been kayaking. Well, do you know what? Let's have our first session. You take me, show me some kayaking. You know, so I would like to think that, how does that look? It looks like, and I've said this to some of the guys I'm working with at the moment, go to the end point. What would you love to be the end point of this? And that might be the end point of this session, the end point of this week, the end point of this career, whatever it is. And then see, okay, is that going, that's what's going to keep me honest in this interaction and all our interactions. So if you ask that, what's the end point of this? Well, the end point is that at the end of the first chat, he, this player, he or she wants to come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want them to, uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if, I, if I meet this person, I'm thinking, this is a good person. I'd, lo- yeah. I'd, I'd love them again. Well, then that's, what do I think I need to do? And I, this is where then I may differ I may differ from some coaches who will try and get a quick win on, oh, look, now you're doing this really well. And I'm like, I, I'd like them to kind of think. And actually, it comes back to that word. I'd like them to go away thinking, I'm curious about that guy. He's a bit, <laughs> he's a bit, he's a bit funky, isn't he? Um, I, 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 yeah. And then he goes in the door to, to, to their mom and dad. If they're 20, they're probably still living at home and bleeding them dry. Yeah. And he, it's like, How'd it go? Good, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next session. Oh, what, what'd you do? We went kayaking. <laughs> I'd be okay with that if I felt that that was the right, you know, if I felt that I was after getting a good temperature check on, on things, you know? And I suppose that's, maybe that's the term. Right. I'd like to take time to get the temperature right. Like that, like that. Um, thank you so much, Ed, for your time. Simon Thomas has said, get back get ed back for part two um and there's a few there's a couple of thumbs up to that as well um but thank you so much for your time mate really appreciate it keep doing podcasts because i love listening to what you have to say Um, (laughs) thank you thanks very much mate. well well, as i said earlier it's it it is a selfish pursuit because (laughs) i have my own own little things that i've written down here so it's been it's been wonderful and great to connect albeit like this but but uh, thanks for the and all the chat so but we'll stay in touch for you thanks mate